Well, good morning to you. Transforming lives over 25 years, past, present, and future. I got to tell you, personally, my name's Mark, if I haven't met you before. Um, greetings, my name's Mark. I have my welcome to what you've already received. Hey to Bearden, hey to Roan County, hey to Amped, hey to Blend. We're all gathering together uh, in one space, in one place today, at least in, in our services. We're glad to be together this weekend. And I got to tell you, I, I got to tell you, I said this to somebody about a week or so, maybe it's two weeks ago. I've never worked harder my whole life and had more fun doing it. It's been exciting to be a part of the work that God's up to through us and for us at Two Rivers Church. We are our people, folks, who are transforming lives because our lives have been transformed. Amen? We are people who've moved from darkness to light. We're a people who've moved from citizenship with the world to citizenship with the kingdom of God. We now are under the reign and rule of Jesus, and that's a safe place to be. Is it not? Under the reign and rule of Jesus, which means we're surrendered completely and totally to him. And as followers of Jesus, we've embraced the truth that the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is here. We haven't just punched our ticket and we're waiting for heaven to come one day. The reality is our eternal destiny has been rerouted and yet the kingdom of God is here and there's work to be done and God is moving in and among us, calling people, men and women to himself left and right and we get to be a part of that. This is who Two Rivers is and this is who we know that we know that we know that we know we're, we're called to be and we're going to be and this is the bottom line. We are followers of Jesus. Say it with me across all of our campuses. We are followers of Jesus. Followers of Jesus. Now, it's important that we know what definitions we're using when we use the word following. I think last week we unpacked uh, the gospel. This week we're going to unpack the word following. I've been married 34 years this summer, and Terry and I still mean something very different when we say I love you. The word means something different to each of us, right? I got to get on her glossary, amen? And we talk about being a follower of Jesus, we got to get on the glossary, the definition the scriptures give us. What does it mean for us to be a follower of Jesus? That's what we're going to wrestle with a little bit this weekend. Now, there's a lot of things we can follow. There's a lot of regiments and patterns and philosophies and styles of thinking that we can follow. I was, I was enamored last week. There was a guy who lost 50 pounds eating only McDonald's food for 100 days, I know you laugh about that. 50 pounds. He was on the news. He's lost 50 pounds. He followed a regiment of eating McDonald's food three times a day. He only ate at McDonald's. He ate half portions, and he followed this regiment and this pattern, and his body was transformed. There are areas in our lives that we actually follow different things. We have different philosophies and patterns of thought. There's people we think about. We've got financial advisors. We've got counselors. We've got therapists. We've got coaches. We've got all kinds of people who are engaging us and calling us to follow in some way, shape, or form. And, and, and a lot of times with great success. There's areas in our lives where, where we're following something, some regimen or thought or pattern, and we, and we see some success in it. The call to follow in the scriptures is a, little, is a little different than that. It's not another option or a suggestion. It's not another area of our lives. It's not like, hey, in, in, in the area of my spirituality, this is what, what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow Jesus. The following that we find in the scriptures is not that way at all. But rather, it's the spiritual reality of who we are that has everything to do with every, every aspect of my life. It's the spiritual reality of who I am, has everything to do with everything in my life. Following Jesus is all in. It's all areas of our life. It's not just your spiritual component that you check the box with. It's all in. All of who I am belongs to Jesus. I live surrendered to him. 
That's what we, we sang about that this weekend. We'll sing about it again before we leave our time together. That's what we're declaring to be as followers of Jesus. And that's who we are as Two Rivers Church. So let's look a little further in following what's that look like. If you were with us last week, we started a summer series, Gospel Fluency. We long to be fluent in the gospel. We started in the book of Mark. We're going to go through an eight-week series in the book of Mark. And so if you've got a Mark Bible, a Mark journal on your phone, get to the book of Mark. We're only in the first chapter, so you haven't missed a whole lot yet. And we're going to look at Mark's gospel at two different stories of Jesus calling his first followers. The first one starts in verse 16, chapter 1. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew and the brother, the brother of Simon casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I'll make you to become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending their nets. And immediately he called to them and they, they left their father Zebedee and the boat and their hired servants and they followed him. Turn over to chapter 2, where you'll see a man named uh, Levi. We know him probably better as Matthew. In chapter 2, verse 13, he went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him. And he was teaching them, and as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, and sitting at a tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose, and he followed him. And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but I've come to call sinners. Here at the front end of Jesus' ministry, he's calling people to follow. He established his kingship. We talked about that last weekend. The kingdom has come. The kingdom is present. And now he's calling people to follow. And one of the first principles that emerges from the, the text itself is that following Jesus means that we're all in. Following is the call to be all in. Jesus came proclaiming the good news. As we looked at last week, Mark 1:15, the time is fulfilled, he said, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. These are Jesus' words. He says, the kingdom of God has come and the king himself is standing before you. Repent and believe the gospel. His kingdom and his reign and his rule are here. His presence and power have come along with that. Folks, we have a king. We have one who governs over us. We have one who we've said we've surrendered our lives to and now we live under his total reign and authority in our lives. That's who we are as followers of Jesus. That's what the scriptures call us to. And that was the early call that, that Jesus made of these followers who, who left fishing nets and tax booths to follow him. He stepped right into the lives and the work of these guys. These first five, he stepped right into their world and their lives and he said, come follow me. I'd love to know what that conversation was like if it was more than just those few words. I imagine it was. And yet they were convinced at some level that this was the guy worth following. This, this was a man worth leaving it all for and they left it all for him. Now like the concept of following a religious leader isn't foreign to this culture. But what is foreign is that typically if someone was looking for someone to follow, a pupil would pursue the mentor and ask if the mentor would take him on. And yet Jesus, as we'll see over the summer, his kingdom's come, but his kingdom's an upside down kingdom. It's not like you and I think or believe or, 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 or approach life. His kingdom's different. It's Jesus is the one in this story and in every story of him calling people who's doing the initiating, who's doing the inviting. He says, come and follow me. 
And what Jesus is saying to these guys is, hey, I want you to leave everything behind you. It's an all-in call. All-in call. And I don't know what your, your thinking is when you think about the early disciples. Like, you know, you've seen stories and movies and all. It seems like they're just hanging around the shoreline waiting for somebody to come in with something kind of interesting for them to, to just kind of saddle up and follow. Not the case at all. These guys were professional fishermen. One was sitting in a tax booth. And they had, live, they had a livelihood. They had decent jobs. One, one of the sets of brothers actually said he left his father and his hired servants and followed Jesus. They, they had a decent income, a decent living. And Jesus walks into their life and he says to them, come follow me. They, they literally left it all to follow Jesus. And the call for us is no different, folks. The call for us is the same. It's to follow Jesus. And it's the most intense, intimate, and intrusive relationship of your life. Let me slow down and say it again. It's the most intense, intimate, and intrusive relationship of your entire life. Because when Jesus calls us to follow, he calls us to do things we wouldn't do unless we were following. We wouldn't do it. He invades our world and invades our life. And not just in the big ways, but in all the all the intricate small ways of our life. He, 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 he seeks to have his authority and his reign in everything that we say is ours. He says, it belongs to me. There's a guy in our church, and uh, I think it was three or four years ago. He's got three degrees. I think he just finished another degree. He's pretty proficient in terms of being an educated guy. In fact, pretty impressive. There's a leadership wake behind this guy. There, 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 there's a... There's a a strong movement of his leadership. And, and, and he was asking God, God, what, what and how would you want me to serve? And I think he thought the answer in some way would come to fruition, that it would be some place of influence, some place of maybe even being seen and having some semblance of being understood as a leader in the church. And, and the answer came to him from God. God said, I want you to teach kids. And his answer to God was, you know, I like my kids, but other people's kids, kind of a stretch. And he said, Lord, I'm, I'm pretty gifted here. I, I, I got a lot to offer here. What would you like me to do? I want to be all in. And God said, I want you to teach kids. And he's been teaching kids exuberantly. I'm not going to mention his name because he's probably with your kids right now, but I'm, I'm sure he's being kind to them even as we speak. <laughs> he's all in. All that I have is yours, Lord. Show me how you want to use me. Following Jesus means that we're all in. Following, following the definition of following is saying, all I have is yours. I'm all in, God. Use whatever I've got. Following Jesus is also an ongoing work on our lives. It's an ongoing work on our lives. The good news transforms us as we follow. The good news of Jesus, the way, transforms us as we follow. It continues to have its way within us, just as it did with these guys. Jesus begins to gather his people and inviting folks into the kingdom and into a relationship, into this movement of the gospel in our lives. And, and this call to follow, he promises that he'll do the work. Check out verse 17. He says, follow me. He doesn't just say, follow me, get behind me. Follow me. I'll make you become fishers of men. I'm going to do something in you you couldn't do for yourself. I'm going to do the work. All I'm asking you to do is get off your tail and start following me. Follow me, and I'm going to do some work in your life. He isn't calling professionals. He didn't call these great leaders who had great evangelistic gifts. And he says, I'm going to, I'm going to tap into your leadership chops. He, he walked into their everyday lives and said, I got work for you to do. Follow me. I'm going to make, I'm going to make you into something you're not. Something you're not. Jesus told them that I'm going to do something in you if you'll follow me. Does that sound familiar to you? I'll be your God if you'll be my people. 
That, 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 that's the Jesus way. That, that's the relationship. That's the, the, the call to relationship that Jesus is inviting us into. That, that I'll be your God if you'll be my people. I'm gonna make you into something you never dreamt or imagined if you'll follow me, engage with me. And here's Simon and Andrew, James and John and then Levi are invited to follow. And they left their nets, they left their tax booth and they followed Jesus. Following Jesus is an ongoing work in our lives. They took the first step. I don't know that they could possibly have ever understood when Jesus came up to their fishing nets and their fishing boat or their tax booth and said, follow me. They had a clue what the next several days, weeks, months, and years would hold. They, they didn't know what they were in, engaged in. They didn't know what they were saying yes to. They started to follow. They took the first step. And God had so much more in store for them. He says, follow me. and I'm going to make you into something that you've never dreamt, hoped, or imagined. That's the way of Jesus. That's what he does. Follow me, and I'll do a real work in you. And this didn't come without obstacles. You know enough about the stories of the Bible. You know enough about the disciples. They often did great things. They were different men just a few years later. They, they did amazing work for the sake of the kingdom. They also tripped over themselves getting there oftentimes, right? They were just like you and I, doing the best we can every day and sometimes getting in the way of what God wants to do. And yet God fulfilled his work and his purpose through them. And the challenge for us is the same, to keep following no matter what, no matter what's going on. The good news transforms us as we follow Jesus. It continues to have its way within us. Let me tell you the story about a couple at our church. Now, let's just say their names are Bill and Sheila because their names are Bill and Sheila. <clears throat> and right now they're in another venue, uncomfortable that I just mentioned their names out loud. Bill and Sheila gave their hearts to Jesus some 50, 60 years ago. And they, they, they said yes to Jesus, and they stepped into a relationship with Jesus, knowing with all uncertainty what that would mean for the days, years to come. And yet they knew that there was something in their life they needed, so they stepped into a walk in a relationship with Jesus, and the gospel has transformed them over decades, little by little by little by little, and made them into something they never dreamt, hoped, or imagined they'd become. If you've ever had the opportunity to have a cup of coffee or tea with this unassuming couple, they'd tell you, God has done this amazing work in our life as we sought to follow Jesus, take step after step in following him. The Holy Spirit himself has transformed our life and, and made us into something we never dreamt or hoped or imagined. They're in there. I know Bill's in his 80s now. I think Sheila's a little younger, very younger, a younger 70s. But, but they're actually asking God in this next chapter of life, what do you have for us? Bill's finishing up 21 years of serving on our elder board, the longest serving elder at Two Rivers Church this June. He's finishing that up, and, and their first question is, where next, Lord? What do you have for us next? What do you have for us to do? Because the gospel continues to transform us as we live it out. As we live this thing out, following Jesus is an ongoing work in our lives. Jesus called us into relationship, and he's transforming us each and every one of us, every day as we give ourselves to this. So the gospel, it's an all-in. Following Jesus is all-in. Following Jesus continues to transform us as we follow him, and it also compels us to make followers. Following Jesus compels us to make followers. The good news, the gospel, compels me to be a person who's bringing good news, the gospel, to other people who need to hear the good news just like I did. 
Your transformation, God going after you and rescuing you and saving you wasn't the end game. I know for you it's a big deal. It is a big deal. And I rejoice with you that God rescued and saved you. But your transformation was always about the transformation of the world. God wanted to transform you so he could reach the entire world through your transformation. That people would see the change and what's taken place in your life and, and rescue a people unto himself. That's the movement. That's the work that God's been up to. And folks, let me just tell you, we are two rivers. That's the movement and the work that we're up to. I told you at the front end, we're committed to following Jesus. What does that mean for us? It means that we want to follow Jesus, making word-dependent, gospel-centered, word-dependent, spirit-empowered, relationally connected, relationally connected people to Jesus and to each other. That's who we are. Those are the four components of what we believe a biblical DNA of a follower of Jesus looks like. To be gospel-centered, folks, is to be word-dependent. They all overlap each other. They're incessantly overlapping each other. To be gospel-centered is to be word-dependent. To be word-dependent, you can't understand the word without the Spirit of God. To be Spirit-empowered is to be relationally connected to Jesus and to each other. And to be relationally connected to Jesus and each other, you've got to be word-dependent, gospel-centered. You get it? It overlaps. This is who we know that God's called us to be. This is who we are, Two Rivers Church. And we believe that this is what God has called us to be even more so in the days, weeks, months, and years ahead. Folks, it was a few years ago, I, I know you've heard this story before, we were sitting in a sermon meeting. We thought, how are we going to stir people up to, to see the lost all around them? And somebody said, well, let's just use three-by-five cards. I hope that sounds familiar to you. So we passed out three-by-five cards. We asked you to ask Jesus, God, give me three to five names to put on my three-by-five card of people who don't know you right now, who are not relationally connected to you. And let us begin praying for those. And so I hope you've done that. I hope you've got a three-by-five card and you've written some names down on there. We've heard story after story after story of people who've been, who've been rescued, redeemed, and saved because you wrote them on a three-by-five card. You prayed for them. You engaged with them. You lived out the gospel before them. You even described what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. And there's folks among us today on our campuses who are in the kingdom of God now, who've been rescued and saved, whose lives have been transformed because you were faithful to pray on a three-by-five card. Man, we, we are seeing story after story. I gotta tell you, it's exciting to see the momentum that God is up to in and among us just by being faithful in the big and in the small areas of our lives. And we prayed over these past several years that God would continue to do that work in us. I was with a, a group of folks in Israel last month, and uh, we walked where Jesus walked. Awesome. Hope you all get to get there one day. I hope that's an experience on your bucket list. And I, I got to walk alongside a new friend of mine. Knew him a little while around church, but his name's Tony. Tony would also be embarrassed that I mentioned his name out loud. Tony didn't grow up really knowing how to read the scriptures or even spending time in the scriptures. Tony didn't grow up with a relationship, a real relationship with Jesus. But I gotta tell you, walking with Tony through the, the land of Israel, I got to hear a story after story of how God's been transforming this man's life to be something he never dreamt, hoped, or imagined. God's doing an amazing work in Tony's life, still transforming him into the likeness of Jesus. That's what God is up to. And it's our hope and our prayer, and we know that we're called to this, that, that Tony's story would be one of thousands and thousands of stories that God would, 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 would allow us to tell as a result of our faithfulness to the work that we know God's called us to do, to following him. We sat down three or four years ago, heard from you. We prayed together as a church. Your, your leadership team sat down and we said, God, what's next for us? And God said, what's next is what's always been. I'm going to call you to more of what you've always been about following me. Our vision is this. We believe life is best lived when rooted in a gospel-centered community. Sound familiar? 
Together we're actively pursuing God, experiencing the life-transforming power of the Holy Spirit, deepening our love for Jesus and for one another, and ensuring the gospel is made real to our neighbors in tangible ways. Okay, that's theoretical. That's what we believe. What's it gonna look like? By 2032, we envision each area of our nine-county region of more than one million people impacted by the transforming presence of Jesus through at least one gospel-centered initiative. All right, that's where it gets huge for me. That's where it gets huge for every one of us, to think that we would have an impact on a nine-county region of over a million people. And when we talk about areas, not just one gospel initiative in each of those nine counties. We're talking about all the areas within each of the nine counties, hundreds of areas within nine counties that we would have an impact in and and allow the presence of Jesus to be felt, known, and experienced in a way it's never been felt, known, and experienced before. That's huge. Folks, I gotta tell you, we we sat with that. We thought, is this really doable? Absolutely not. We, We can't do it. We can't do it, but he in us can do it. He in us, as we partner together, can reach a nine-county region of over a million people. We want to see the greater Knoxville area turned upside down for the kingdom of God, that people will be transformed and come into a relationship with him who've never known him before. That's what we're about. I hope that gets you excited. I'm a little bit excited. Can you tell? We're already partnering with each other. We're, we're, we're creating new partnerships with other like-minded churches, which is so encouraging that people are putting their differences aside and saying, what's the real deal? The real deal is that people come to know Jesus. And we're partnering with other churches in that way. That's who we know that God's called us to be about. That's who we are, Two Rivers. If you're a part of Two Rivers, if, if you're not visiting anymore and you're saying to someone else, I think that's my church, then this is who you are. This is who we are. Make no mistake. This is what we're about. This is what we're going after. And this is what we know that we know that we know we're to be a part of. So what does that mean for you? What does that mean for each of us? It means a whole lot. It means that more than ever before, more than ever before, rather than than just singing the song, I have decided to follow Jesus, rather than singing that, that we'd mean it that we'd mean it, that we'd step into it, that we would be a people resolved, resolved, determined to follow Jesus with everything we've got. And for us to be all in, Two Rivers Church, for all of us to be all in, all y'all need to be all in. All y'all need to be all in. We all need to be all in. I gotta be all in, you gotta be all in for us to be all in. So what's that look like? I'm gonna get real specific. It means that we would be all in in following Jesus. We'd be all in with our time. I'm gonna ask you some hard questions and I hope you answer these questions as a family or as a couple or as an individual, whatever. How do you spend your time? Where, where do we fit in? When you think about the next several months or the next year coming up, where does church fit in? And I know right now I feel almost like a hypocrite because I'm, I'm, I'm literally preaching to the choir. You're here. Thank you for being here. I hope you'll be back next week and next week. You know that the average attendance used to be like four to... Uh, three to four times a month, like a, an average attender would come. Now it's one to two. And I'm not just saying this because I want a crowd. I don't really care about the crowd. I care about you being a, a faithful follower of Jesus. Where, where, does, where, does church, where does church relationship fit into your calendar? Is it something you add on to the end when you've already gone to all the games, done all the things you wanted to do, did the family uh, obligation thing? Oh yeah, we, we, we could probably make it to church Saturday or Sunday. Or does it... Because it get flipped upside down and go, this is such an important, vital part of who I am, and I'm all in for Jesus. I'm all in with the work and the movement he's called me to. Where, where does church go onto the calendar first? Goes on the calendar first, and then the other things get to be accepted or rejected, depending on how you're spending your time. How are you spending your time this next several months, this next year? I believe because 
God's called us to be relationally connected to each other and to him that we need to worship together. There's something that happens. Didn't you feel it this morning? I hope he did in all your venues. There's something that happens when we lift our voices together and we praise the king. Something happens within us together when we're together. And not being together, how can you be relationally connected if you're not relationally present? I'm asking you to think about your time. How do you spend your time? Where is the priority in this next year for you in terms of your involvement with the rest of us? We're okay. We're okay, people. There's a couple opportunities we're going to give you in addition to that. Besides weekend services or growth groups, we do a couple things during the year. One is called Serve Saturday. We're Three or four times next year, you'll get a calendar as we go into a new ministry year. Three or four times next year, we'll, we'll give you months, months notice ahead of time to put these on your calendar. Well, we leave the buildings. We leave the buildings and we step out into our communities, into these regions in which we live and have a tangible impact in the needs of people where we get to meet people that otherwise you would never meet. You'd never have an opportunity in a relationship with. The relationships that have already been established and are growing as, as a result of, of just a handful of Serve Saturdays is amazing. God's going to use these to continue to, to, to reach our neighbors in a tangible way, continue to, to, to grow us in terms of understanding what are our partnerships, where are the initiatives that God wants us to step into in this greater region called Knoxville. So I hope you'll put that on your calendar. There'll be three or four. There's also an, another all-in invitation. The all-in invitation is an all-in prayer night. On all three of our campuses, you'll be invited to come to an all-in prayer night. And what we do on that prayer night is go, God, we believe that you've called us to have an impact in the greater Knoxville area. Would you give us the strategies? Would you give us the understanding? Would you give us the alignment to know where next, how next? God, use us. Do in us what you did for the disciples. Make us something we never knew we dreamt, hoped, or imagined we could ever be. Be used by you in a powerful way. We, we bend a knee and ask God, where next? How do you want to use us? So let me ask you to consider being all in, following Jesus with your time. Now I'm going to get real personal, because this is where it hurts for a lot of people. With your treasure, that we be all in with our treasure. What is treasure? It's a nice religious word for money. Show me the money, right? Money, it means money, that you'd be all in with your money. If you've been around here for a any length of time, we don't hit this real hard often. I'm hitting it real hard often because I think it's appropriate. We need to be all in. To say I'm all in, I'm surrendered to Jesus and not realize everything I have belongs to him and he's only asking for a portion back is not telling you the truth. I know I've shared this story a hundred times, so tune me out. My life was radically changed in seventh grade when I had a paper route. I've told this story and weighed in before. I think I've used it a month or two ago, but it changed my life, so I'm gonna tell you again. I had a paper out, and uh, I had 100 papers, seven days a week, 365 days a year, had it for four or five years. But the first weekend, I went and collected every house and got all the money, had it all in every pocket, you know, in the man, like all, all change and dollar bills all crumpled up. And I came home, and I was in the living room, and I was counting up the loot. And I knew how much I owed the Atlantic City Press when the guy came on Saturday morning, so I, I pushed all that aside over here. And my dad was sitting in a green... Uh, lazy boy chair watching Barney Miller on TV. Didn't even think he was paying attention. So I remember leaning forward and I grabbed all the rest of it and it was a lot of money. For, for a seventh grader, a lot of money. So I was pulling that money back toward me and my dad goes, hey, 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 wait a second now. Whose money is that? I'm like, is this guy serious? Does he want to cut? <laughs> and I said, well, I think it's mine, sir. <laughs> Throw the sir in there. It sounds respectful, right? He goes, not in this house. In this house, everything we have belongs to God. He's only asking for a portion back. You're walking 10% of that into the church on Sunday, and you're going to put it in the offering plate. 
And he walked right behind me on that Sunday into church and I put 10% in the offering plate. Now, he made me do it, but it's changed my life radically over the last several decades of walking with Jesus. Everything I have belongs to him. My dad was right. Turns out, some dad stuff's true. He was right. Everything I have belongs to him and God, God calls me to give back to him. That's biblically sound. And how he calls me to give back, you might say, well, 10% tithe, that's a lot of money. Well, if you really want to fight tithe, let's fight tithe. Tithe, 10%, is just the starting point from the scriptures. Another day, another message. It's just the starting point. But I do know this. Everything I have belongs to Jesus. Everything you have belongs to Jesus. So when you say, I surrender all, how, how far all are you willing to go? All I have belongs to him. And the themes that you see about giving all throughout the Bible are this, that we'd be generous we would be generous people as God has been generous and poured himself out for us, that we would be generous and, and pour ourselves back out to him. And at times, as you heard in our story of who we are, there's been times where God calls us to be sacrificial in our giving. Sacrificial. That's who we are, Two Rivers Church. We, we've been this. In fact, the fact that we're here 25 years later is because people have been generous and sacrificial in their giving. And, and that's who we are as a people. That's who we're committed to still being as God's called us to follow him. Many of you raised your hands as members and voted on a $4.5 million budget. You don't have to raise your hand to, to commit to that budget. It's a big number. $4.5 million is a lot of money. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. But know this, it's, it's a budget that's been offered to you with, with a lot of facts behind it from our leadership team who believes without a shadow of a doubt that's the, that's the number that God's laid on our heart to actually go after the work he's called us to do next year. It's fact-driven and it's faith-driven. It's faith-driven. We, we don't know how God's gonna bring that in. We trust that he will. It's close to what we, we brought in last year, but it's still a huge step of where God's called us to be. And I'm gonna say this, $4.5 million is a lot of money. I don't believe it represents the capacity that we have to give across three campuses in Two Rivers Church. It doesn't touch it. It doesn't touch the capacity, nor does it touch our obedience to being a people who are generously and sacrificially giving to him. When you voted for a budget, that's what you said. I'm all in. I'm all in. I want, I, I've decided to follow Jesus. I hope you'll consider that. I hope you'll consider as you think about your giving to Two Rivers Church of what God's called us to do, how God is calling you to be a part of that. Some of you have been around for a little bit of time, not, not here long. If you're partnering with, with, with us, step in. Let's partner. Let's do this thing together. All in, time, talents, time, treasure, talents. Some of you are amazingly gifted. You come with your own talents and abilities. Some have a lot of gifts given to you by God. For what? For the use of the body. Some of you are recognizing there's people walking out on the platform behind me. And they are talented people, are they not? On all of our campuses, <laughs> grateful for them. They represent a bunch of people in a sound booth who are equally talented to make them sound good. There's people in a... On the children's wing, down the hall, there's other folks making coffee. There's folks that are greeting. There's every, every opportunity and role known to man. If you've got some gift, talent, or ability, we got somewhere to use you. There's this 80-20 principle that drives me mad in, in, in most organizations in church. It says 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Uh, that might be true. It just sounds something negative to say out loud, right? I think our stats are a lot better than that. But what would it look like for us to be 100% in? Like 100% of us, every one of you know what your part is to play at Two Rivers Church. There's something that wouldn't happen unless you showed up, unless you came, unless you gave your time and your talents to. 
Well, what would it look like? How, how would we expedite the work that God's called us to? Folks, that's where we are. That's where God's called us. We'd be all in. We'd be a people, first and foremost, resolved to follow Jesus like never before. Like never before. God has done so much in our lives. God has transformed me. He's transformed you. And he calls us to be a part of this transforming movement that he's up to in the world in which we live. I hope you're up for it. I hope you're game. We're going after it. We want to be together with you in this. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you for rescuing and redeeming us. Thank you for seeing how desperate we were without you and calling us into relationship with you. Thank you how the gospel transformed us and it continues to transform us as we walk with you day in and day out. Thank you for your Holy Spirit's work on our lives, making us into something we never hoped, dreamt, or imagined we could ever become. And thank you for all that you're still going to do until we see you face to face. It's in the matchless name of Jesus we pray. Amen.